0: Spotlight Cultural Policy – Experts on International Cultural Relations
1: Hello and welcome to Spotlight Cultural Policy – Experts on International Cultural Relations. My name is Tobias Rohr and I'm very pleased that you are listening to this podcast. In this show, I regularly ask simple questions to understand complex international cultural politics. The answers will come from my guests, all experts in their fields, and I'm sure that you and I will gain some deep insights into how culture and politics are related and researched. In this first episode, we will be talking about the relations of international sports events and politics, and more precisely, the FIFA World Cup in Qatar. Political scientist Klaus Leggevi will be sharing his perspective on the topic. The professor at the University of Gießen in Germany is a founder of the Center for Media and Interactivity, former director of the Institute for Advanced Study in the Humanities in Essen, Germany, and long-standing member of the German Advisory Council on Global Change. In 2016, Klaus Leggewie published an article on Sports, Culture, Development and Foreign Policy in IFA's magazine Culture Report Progress Europe. I'm looking forward to find out what he has to say on this topic now, eight years later, since the Soccer World Cup in Qatar seems to have a greater, global and above all, more political impact than other major sporting events before. What role does sports play in international relations? How much politics can it take? These are the kind of questions I'm going to ask Professor Klaus Leggewie. Mr. Legavi, for the first time, the Football World Cup takes place in an Arab country, namely Qatar. Is sport suitable for understanding cultures and building cultural bridges?
0: Well, to be honest, I always thought that the narrative of friendship between nations at World Championships or Olympic Games has always been a myth. And that becomes a lifeline now at the World Cup, which is so hostile to spectators as this one in Qatar. You know, uh, sport is a fight and it should be. And it's not so much about cultural tolerance as about individual respect for the opponent and fairness. that, That should play the main role and political and ideological differences should be completely irrelevant here unless a competitor himself makes, let's say, discriminatory comments. For example, soccer becomes really politically explosive when there are political and ethnic animosities, as recently between the ethnic Kosovars and the Swiss team against the Serbian nationalists. But in general, you know, this friendship miss, we should leave it aside. In 2016, you published
1: an article in the magazine Culture Report by the Institut für Auslandsbeziehungen. The publication provides an overview of the various fields of European cultural cooperation identifies deficits as well as good practices and provides political recommendations for action. In this article, you speak of sports as an amplifier for globalization and that the spectators of major sporting events form a volatile transnational community. How strongly is this sense
0: of togetherness actually represented in this World Cup? i think there was no transnational community in qatar and there was no virtual community all around the world because uh yeah in 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 qatar the fans were living far from each other and didn't have these usual encounters where they could be friends and have drinks together etc and we were missing all kinds of public viewings in the months of november or december so this was not a transnational community at all and The atmosphere in Qatar, I haven't been there, of course, but what is reported is that the atmosphere was very cold, very mistrustful, and it was all about controlling the masses and and making money.
1: The World Cup in Qatar is turning into an arena for political statements and at the same time into a demonstration of FIFA's power. How much responsibility can or should sports be given to carry out political and social discourses?
0: Well, objectively, in the, in the middle of a bloody war that we have in the Ukraine or brutal repression in Iran and in the middle of an openly and aggressively anti-gay country, sports cannot be apolitical at all. It must be political. If whether these political statements were helpful, I don't know. And, you know, there is no... Opposition of the FIFA as a representative of sports and, you know, uh, the governments or other viewers, spectators as the political sphere. Because FIFA in itself is an autocratic and a corrupt organization and it has become a collaborator of an authoritarian regime openly in in Qatar. And it's not representing the sport. It is itself a a non-state power apparatus. And FIFA has uh, more resources than the poorest countries in the world combined. So there are no longer two subsystems here, the supposedly powerless sport, and there is politics, powerful, that confront each other. But two power apparatuses have abused the reputation of the jogo bonito, as the Brazilians say, The the nice play. And the tipping point was reached long before this current World Cup. You know, awarding it to Qatar was misguided from the start. And for ethical, for political, and for sports reasons, everyone knew about the corruption, about the human rights abuse, about the lousy conditions of the guest workers. Uh, so that was the defect like 10 years ago, so to speak. And by the way, the FIFA has already been totally compromised since the Blatter era. How much politics can sports take? It's involved and it should demonstrate its independence from political uh, apparatuses. But I wonder if it can. You know, uh, uh, Qatar is said to have spent 250 billion dollars since the tournament was awarded. And there is no compensation fund for migrant workers uh, that was promised to us, who, who lost, some of them lost their lives. And that is all about sports washing. And this cannot be repaired as long as European soccer clubs profit from the involvement of Qatar and the Gulf States. You know about Manchester City. This is the dominant club in in England, thanks to the generosity of its owner, the Sheikh uh, of the United Arab uh, Emirates. And Newcastle United uh, was bought last year by Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. So you see, this is about politics, it's not about sport. And the Qataris, who have one of the world's largest natural gas reserves, as we (laughs) found out now, have also been involved in this front since long. You know, they own Paris Saint-Germain, this galactic team, and they buy uh, Uh, And And we should also mention Bayern Munich sponsored by Qatar, I think about 17 million euros a year. So all this serves political purposes from the beginning. And Qatar with its wealth is not only selling optimally in sports, it has become an economic player of sorts and an international middle power. And that's what it is about. So if we would have to distinguish sports from politics, we should go back like at least 30 years. And I think it's quite impossible or yeah, difficult, because it's not a question of Norse and Thaos uh, or Western and Thaos. The Western actors have massively promoted this World Cup and they totally agree. And, and then, you know, the One Love uh, Band, etc. This is all a bit like lyrics. I think the One Love Band is, a, is, is not very courageous, having this prehistory of the World Cup. I mean, as I said, this starts like 10 years ago, awarding the World Cup to Qatar is the original sin. It's the ur-defect of all this. A politician like our Minister of Economy and Climate who goes to Qatar and buys gas, natural gas resources, of course he will try to make sure that the workers' conditions are better, that human rights violations stop, that the rights of women are respected. Well, we made them strong (laughs) and now they can simply say okay it's fine let's do this lyrics or even that was uh, rejected and they made fun of us
1: when is the point reached where sports must be political
0: yeah it is as i said it is per se and uh, it should be aware of it and it should not you know play this song we are apolitical we are a kind of transnational community, it's so wonderful and people meet here and sports people are so happy. And as it is a political thing, then we also should... sometimes refrain from participating in Olympic games, uh, where, for example, Russian sports people are supposed to take place in two years. I think we should say from the beginning, as long as this war goes on, and as long, for example, as in, in the Gulf states, uh, human rights are violated every day, we should simply not participate there. And this is a, a priori condition, Going after you know after all these uh, awarding procedures and then kind of raise the symbolic flag in a stadium in Qatar that's that's not serious.
1: Where do you draw
0: the line between sports and political
1: responsibility?
0: Yeah, as I was trying to explain there. I could draw a line, but it doesn't matter (laughs) because the line is already, uh, there are not two subsystems independent from each other, like economy and politics. There is also no line to be drawn. It is a mixture of political and sports ambitions. And by the way, this has to do with the character of sports and politics and business, by the way, because they all are geared toward competition, staging, performance, profitability. That's why they fit together you know nobody would watch or would make such a fuss of a let's say badminton world championship no maybe in indonesia i I will not discriminate anybody but nevertheless at the world event at the global transnational event it's just soccer because there are two teams fighting against each other and the politics and the business uh, system kind of profits from this let's say similarities uh, between the three s- systems. It's about competition, etc. And that's why the line can be drawn theoretically, but in practice, there is no longer any distinction between it and it's too much involved.
1: A state hosting a major sporting event presents itself as a brand and thus has a reputation to lose. The country makes a compromise between nation states forms of organization and the transnational sports society. How has Qatar approached this challenge, and how successfully does it sell the
0: brand Qatar? Yeah, I, I, very intelligently. <laughs> they they have had a very good performance. I mean, nobody is really criticizing Qatar any longer. We will hear in December, in late December. That was a wonderful World Championship, as Infantino the leader of the pack, promised us. This is, as you say, it's a branding. It's the Emirates and it's an airline and it's a uh, it's, it's soccer team and it's natural gas. And they kind of evolve into a, uh, economic and political middle power in the Near East. That's uh, what they wanted to become and that's how they performed.
1: That was political scientist Klaus Legevi on the FIFA World Cup in Qatar and the topic of what the relations are between international sports events and politics. I hope you enjoyed this first episode of Spotlight Cultural Policy, experts on international relations. I certainly did and I would be delighted if you tuned in next time for some more new insights in cultural policy and international relations. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, don't hesitate to share it with your friends. To make sure that you don't miss out on future episodes, subscribe to Spotlight Cultural Policy right away. You can do that wherever you listen to the shows of your choice, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Deezer or Amazon Music. If you want to find out more about the Forum for International Cultural Relations, visit our website at culturalrelations.ifa.com. That's all from my side. I say thank you for listening. My name is Tobias Rohe. See you next time.
0: Spotlight Cultural Policy. Experts on international cultural relations.